What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code POD to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code POD at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code POD. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Welcome, everybody, to At The Turn. I am Joe. That is Nick. I can't see him, but I'm pretty sure he's there. I'm here. Welcome, Nick. How are you? I am great, Joe. Episode four. We're really trucking along on this bad boy. We're cranking him out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we got a big show today. We're going to talk to the fit golfer girl, Carolina Romero. She is a golf fitness expert, uh, very popular on the social media. I think over 10,000 followers on Instagram, Nick. Wow. That's impressive. So we're going to talk to her about a bunch of stuff, and we're going to talk about Phil Mickelson, his decision not to play in the U.S. Open because his daughter's high school graduation coincides with that, and he's choosing his daughter couple of comments on that later on and we're going to talk about tiger woods briefly here in a moment but first nick you are very excited to talk to carolina from one perspective at least i am joe every time i watch golf and i understand broadcasters and and sports writers their job is to kind of point things out that they see but it drives me nuts when people say that the best players in the world are in too good of shape to be playing golf And I I pulled up a few quotes from the last few years, from I think two or three years ago up until now, uh, that point this out. Most of them are directed at Rory, and I get that Rory's in good shape, but it's not like he's He's Schwarzenegger out there. He's pretty yoked. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Brandel Chambly. This one's from him. 
He's from Golf Channel. I'm sure you know who he is. He's, you know, he's the guy who has, he's blocked 20,000 guys, people on Twitter. Great haircut. He said, it does give me a little concern when I see the extensive weightlifting that Rory is doing in the gym. And of course, it's the famous one that Rory responded with uh, a video of him doing squats in the gym. Uh, Johnny Miller said, and I remember seeing this one live and it made me laugh. I think he overdid the weight room personally. I don't think that helped him at all. I think the same thing with Tiger Woods. You just get carried away with wearing the tight shirts and showing off their sort of muscles. <laughs> sort of muscles. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was, again, in reference to Rory. And then Alan Shipnuck, he writes for Sports Illustrated and Golf Magazine, recently tweeted, It seems obvious that golfers should be supple and flexible. Getting thick and bulky like Tiger, Rory, and Jason Day, yeah, those guys are bums, can't be a good idea. So we're going to ask the Fit Golfer Girl what her um, take on this is because it seems that they're calling out some of the best golfers in the world and what they're doing seems like it's working. So um, we'll get her opinion on that. I'm very excited for this. She'll be coming in in a little bit, but first we have to talk about the golf story of the last few weeks. Sad story. I haven't seen anyone take joy in this at all. It's just so sad. Tiger with his DUI. We're not going to belabor it. But my take on it is I feel bad for Tiger. I don't really know why he was so adamant about not drinking alcohol because he still got cited for a DUI. He had really bad stuff in his system from the perspective of getting behind the wheel and driving. And my first thought is Tiger's mindset is still Tiger's mindset. He wanted to get out ahead of this story release a statement basically saying, look, I blew a point zero zero. I had no alcohol in my system. It was an accident with the medications. And I just think it doesn't bode well for Tiger's prospects down the line of not golf, forget golf, but just living a normal life. So that was disheartening to hear. I, all the videos and stuff that have come out of him in the police station and him outside of his car, it's just a really tragic thing and it's like a car wreck you know no no pun intended with tiger being in the car but it it's it's difficult not to watch all that stuff but it just makes me sad to see it i agree i'm definitely sad about it but i disagree with um him blowing point zero zero i think that totally changes it for me when this news first broke i was actually checking into tea time in a golf uh, pro shop and it came on the tv in the golf channel and i was like tiger's mugshot what is this but my first reaction was, oh, Tiger's out of Memorial Day partying too hard, you know. He's getting hammered at 3 in the morning. And so then when it came out that he, his alcohol content was zero, um, that definitely changed my mind about it a little bit. It was, okay, this isn't what we first assumed it was. You know, maybe, I mean, clearly he still shouldn't have been driving. I'm not excusing it. But it changes my mindset a little bit that maybe there's more to it than we really know. And I think that's kind of always been the case with Tiger. So, I don't know. For me, it does change it a little bit. I don't want to speculate about the drug use that Tiger has on a daily basis, what he doesn't. The man's had a lot of surgeries, and there was a pretty extravagant cocktail of drugs in his system. So, again, I don't want to speculate and say he has a drug problem or anything like that, because this is just one incident, but it doesn't look great. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope it was just a really innocent accident and Tiger rebounds from this and everything is well. It just doesn't feel right to me. No, it's definitely strange to see one of our 
kind of icons going through the last couple of years that he's gone through, seeing his mugshot all over TV. It's really hard for me to imagine that this is kind of the last chapter for Tiger. I mean, I've, I've always been an optimist for Tiger, and I've always hoped that you know, we'll see him win tournaments again and maybe add a major or two. I know that's getting more and more far-fetched, but it's really hard for me to imagine this being the kind of final chapter as Tiger weans into his twilight. So hopefully there's better things to come on the horizon for Tiger. On a happier note, I just want to mention this real quick, Nick. Uh, in men's college golf, the University of Oregon, national champs last year, and they finished runner-up this year. And it was very impressive. The team is obviously in great shape. Casey Martin is their coach. He was the gentleman who played on the PGA Tour probably some 20 years ago. And the most notable thing about him was he was the gentleman who has a severe leg impairment. It's degenerative. And he had the battle to ride in a golf cart to play on the PGA Tour. And anyway, he is the head coach of University of Oregon. And they had another great season down in Eugene. So congrats to them. National title last year, runner-up this year. And college golf, I, I only watch it the two weeks when they have the national championships on the Golf Channel. But I really enjoy it. And just real quick, I don't understand why college golf, A, isn't more popular, and B, televised more. We have all of these different conference television stations. The Pac-12 network is pretty big out here. I don't understand why they don't have more golf tournaments broadcast on the Pac-12 channel or the Big 12 channel where golf is really big or the SEC. It just seems like an untapped golf arena that hasn't really been shown as much as it could be. Yeah, you're right. And it is kind of puzzling because you see a lot of the guys on tour were – great college golfers. I mean, they, they were in these national championships and you don't necessarily even have to go to a big school to get to that level because there's the individual championship as well. So, you know, I could see it if, if guys weren't going to college who are becoming big on tour, but it seems like there is, like you said, kind of an untapped market for that. So maybe it'll pick up, Joe. Maybe you're onto something. Well, someone who was a great college golfer won a PGA Tour event as an amateur while at Arizona State University, the People's Champion... America's champion, my favorite golfer, Phil Mickelson. Now, he made news this week because he's not going to play in the U.S. Open. His daughter's graduation is the same week. And up until a few days ago, Phil Mickelson was going to play in the U.S. Open. He is not doing so. And regardless of what you think of the decision, an interesting tidbit out of this. This is from the New York Times. So this week they're at Memorial, which is Jack Nicholas's golf tournament. He designed the golf course, and he's the host and runs it. And so they asked Jack Nicholas about this, and this is from the New York Times. Jack Nicholas explained that of his five kids, their high school graduations coincided quite often with the Memorial Golf Tournament. So what they used to do was ask Jack Nicholas when he wanted the commencement to be, and they moved it according to Jack Nicholas, and he's quoted as saying, and he said this laughing, quote, I did contribute a lot of money to the school. <laughs> so I found that interesting, and when Mickelson heard about this, he said, I just don't have it in me to do that, which I thought was an interesting quote, too. <laughs> it's so weird to me. I mean, he knows what week the U.S. Open is every single year. He knows when the graduation is going to be, presumably, 
I don't know. My first reaction when I heard this yesterday was, come on, Phil. I mean, I get it's the right thing to do, and I don't have kids, so I can't fathom what it's like, whatever, yada, yada. But, I mean, it's the U.S. Open. You're the main story going into the U.S. Open every year until you win it. You finish second six times. Like, just go win it, Phil. Who can't? I mean, <laughs> throw a huge party for your daughter the next weekend or appear via Skype and do a speech or something. I mean, come on. It's 2017. You can find other ways. Like, come on. So Nick says, skip the graduation, play the U.S. Open. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm not. Look. He's not getting any younger. He's he he's, he sure isn't. But I believe this is his first daughter graduating high school. And this was the daughter. So way back in 1999, when Phil Mickelson lost to Payne Stewart at the U.S. Open, and it was coming down the stretch, his caddy had a beeper on him. And if the kid was going to be born, Phil was going to drop his clubs, get on a plane, and fly back for the birth. So this goes in line with everything Phil has done in his career and his perspective about it. To your point, I'm a little surprised that this was a decision up until now, considering how soon the U.S. Open is. Because you're right. You figured he would know. Yeah. I mean, Joe, come on. Birth of your kid, that's one thing. All right? You don't miss that. But you got to start ranking the life events. Like, <laughs> the kid's wedding, okay. You can you can miss it for the kid's wedding. Graduation? High school graduation? I mean, eh. Is she valedictorian? Like, is she is she the class president? Is she giving a speech? Is it specifically important to her? Or is it just like they call your name and you clap? I mean... I don't know. The U.S. Open outweighs a high school graduation for me. I mean, my parents didn't want me to graduate college or go through the ceremony because they didn't <laughs> want to sit through it. They literally told me they'd rather just buy me a keg of beer and, and go party that way so they didn't have to sit through the, <laughs> the ceremony. Well, the streak of Nick throwing his parents under the bus on At The Turn rises to two consecutive episodes. So kudos to you. i, I got to exclude my mom from that. That was more my dad's point of view. And oh, okay. I should... Uh, reprieve my mom she has listened and texted me and, and was not happy that i called her out in the last episode so. well at least she's listening so that's a start uh we're gonna bring in carolina romero in just a second right after this if you're enjoying at the turn please like us on facebook at facebook.com slash at the turn what was that Rate facebook re- wait where where is facebook again nick Facebook.com. Facebook, slash at the turn. Facebook.com. Okay. <laughs> is that what it is? You, just, you made me second guess myself. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Joe, our plea for reviews on iTunes is paying off. We've got five reviews oh. now. We officially have a five star rating on iTunes. So Thanks, if everybody. you're listening, you can please be the sixth or seventh <laughs> or eighth and get us up there. Joining us now is the fit golfer girl, Carolina Romero. She's a golf fitness expert, and she is going to get us all fit and shave some strokes off our handicap. Carolina, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing great. So you are the fit golfer girl. Can you explain to our audience what being the fit golfer girl is all about? For sure. So, So let me tell you a little bit about what my thought behind the fit golfer girl was. So I was a golf fitness trainer. And, uh, you know, I decided to start just kind of like a social media platform. So when I thought that, I, was, I went online and I was like, okay, let's see what other people are doing. So I went in there and all I saw was just a bunch of boring videos and just really complicated exercises performed by like crazy athletes. And I was just like, well, this is great. Clearly this person is in awesome shape. And clearly this person is totally trying to show off. But at the end of the day, how is this going to help a normal person? How is this going to help a normal golfer? So my purpose behind the Fit Golfer Girl was to come into social media, 
with a completely different perspective into golf fitness. And I wanted to make it fun and make it accessible and make it non-intimidating. I was going to add music. I was going to make it super simple. Stuff that anybody could do from a professional to, you know, a beginner. So I wanted to make it, you know, very, very inviting to golfers of all levels. And I think that, you know, I, I, I've done a really good job, you know, kind of like sending the message of golf fitness and, uh, you know, different platforms with different golfers and make you something that's not intimidating, not scary, and that anybody could do. So for somebody like myself who's never really thought about fitness and golf in the same in the same sentence, basically, <laughs> what are where should I start? What are are there stretches or are there key muscle groups? Where where would you recommend I start focusing as somebody who's just starting to think about this? All right. So uh, first things first is you need the ability to move like a golfer. So one of those key things or those particular abilities that only professionals in like sports like golf or baseball or anything rotational have is the ability to move their upper and lower body separately. So, you know, for a normal person, a normal guy who goes to the gym and works out and lifts weights and is in awesome shape, that's not going to be so easy because they have not been working that skill. They have not been swinging a club. So I think that this is one of those things that that should be the first thing you have in mind and that you keep in mind every time you go to the gym and do a workout. Like, how is this exercise helping me keep that ability to disconnect my upper and lower body and how is this allowing me to generate power in the golf swing. And uh, what I mean by disconnecting the upper and lower body, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, the pros, you know, Tiger in the good old days and Rory and everybody, you know, they when they start the downswing, it's like their upper body and their lower body is completely separated. You know, they start everything with their hips, their arms stay behind, uh, you know, when they're at impact, their hips are almost facing the target completely, and that's what I mean. For somebody who is not working on that, you know, that's going to be extremely hard. You know, unless you have been playing golf since you're like two years old and it's just so ingrained in your head, um, this is an ability that you need to work on every single day, and especially if you're going to be at the gym and gaining muscle mass and gaining strength, uh, that's something that you cannot forget. You must keep this ability, otherwise all that work at the gym is going to be useless. So, Carolina, are you talking more about the core the legs, the butt, that whole area, is that is that most important? Uh, definitely the core and the butt. I would say those are the two most important areas of the golf swing. Uh, you know, the, the glutes are also actually a part of the core. You know, the core is going to be the, you know, the, that part of your body that's going to allow you to generate the speed. You know, uh, a lot of, you know, amateur golfers, except, you know, for example, myself, I, I struggle with this issue as a golfer. I, I come from over the top, and I think that this is a problem that a lot of people have. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, like every time, you know, I generate a lot of my speed from the upper body, and uh, I feel like this is uh, really just a lack of, you know, when I was a kid and I was learning the sport, it was probably just a lack of core strength and glute strength when that happened. So I started to rely on my arms too much for that, and that's a very, very big mistake because it's going to lead to inconsistencies and hooks and slices and all kinds of problems. So definitely you want to have a super strong core, super strong glutes, so that those two body parts are what's initiating the downswing and generating all your power and your speed instead of your arms because the arms are just not reliable. Carolina, a lot of the golf-related exercises that I see suggested take up a lot of physical space, and they're difficult to do in a crowded gym. So I like to work out around lunchtime, and the gym's pretty crowded. So whether some very simple, basic exercises that I can make a part of my workout routine when the gym is especially crowded? Oh, my God, absolutely. I mean, you really don't even need to be at the gym 
You know, there's tons of things that you could do at home and just on the floor. Uh, you know, like one of the one of my favorite stretches to do with my clients is uh, what I call an open book stretch. And it really works on that ability to separate the upper and lower body. And all you really need is like a square of space. You just find yourself a mat and do it somewhere. And it really doesn't take much space at all. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be working out at home or if you're going to be working out in a crowded gym, all you really need is, you know, either a lightweight or a cable. And you can just definitely get a lot done with just those items, you know. And it's going to be stuff that is super easy looking, the kind of exercises that you look at and you're like, oh man, that's, that's like not a good, that's not a good workout. <laughs> and then after you do them, you're like, oh my God, that was like the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, and that's like the reaction that I get with a lot of my clients. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be easy. And then they're like dying at the end of the exercise. So, you know, I recommend definitely lots of stretching, lots of separation of the upper and lower body that you can do with bands, uh, open book stretches, hip flexor stretches, uh, you know, lots of like, oh, chest opening, thoracic mobility and all that, all that kind of a, uh, you know, like mobility that's like super important for the golf swing and that most of us kind of suck at, honestly, because we're always sitting and we're always kind of like hunching in front of our computers and in front of our phones and all that stuff. And when it comes to stretching, if if I'm stretching for to get ready for a round, a pre-round routine, is there something that is kind of a blanket method that works for everybody or does it kind of depend on the different muscles that each specific person needs to focus on? So that's, a, that's actually an excellent question. So we are all different and we all move differently and our bodies are always going to develop compensations based on the way that we move. So there's really never going to be one, ex, you know, like one exercise routine or one stretching routine that's going to fit everybody. Uh, but, you know, at, for example, you know, when you think about stretching, think about uh, dynamic stretching, which is we're just kind of like moving the, mo- the muscle through its entire range of motion. So... You know, think about, like, just gently coming down and up or, like, little squats, that kind of stuff. Or, for example, when you're just, like, reaching down for your toes and holding it down. So when you're talking about pre-workout or pre-round routine, you definitely want to make sure that you keep it dynamic. So instead of just holding a particular stretch, you're going to just kind of do little reps where the muscles are being stretched and then contracted, stretch and contracted. So even if you're stretching areas of your body that don't need stretching, that's not going to hurt you. You know, you're actually just warming up the body. Uh, I would say that if you're doing dynamic, if you're doing, sorry, static stretches, so where you just hold the range of motion um, and you're holding stretches that don't need to be stretched, you could actually be making things worse for you. So, for example, uh, you know, let me, let me give you an example, you know, a really easy example. So most of us have uh, really, really weak glutes. I would say like maybe 90% of the population don't even know how to engage their glutes. And glute performance is directly related to hip flexor mobility. And if you guys know, the hip flexor is literally like on top of your quad, like right next to your crotch. And this muscle is super tight for all of us because we sit all day. And when this muscle is tight, our glutes doesn't work. So if you know you have hip tight hip flexors, it's great that you stretch them statically and stretch them dynamically. Please do everything you can. But if you happen to not have um, if you happen to not have uh, tight hip flexors and you stretch them all the time, you could be making it worse. And you could be, you know, just creating compensations and creating imp- imbalances in your muscles and stuff that's just not going to work. So, you know, like my, I guess my suggestion in this case would be definitely try to, you know, get help from a fitness professional to help you figure out what, what places need to be stretched statically. Uh, so what areas of your body need to be elongated so that your performance is much better. We're going to shift gears just a little bit, and I really want to ask you about being too fit for golf because it seems like a lot of 
broadcasters and golf journalists like to point out the fact that some golfers, most specifically Roy McIlroy, might be too bulky for golf. Their bodies are are just bulging and their shirts are too tight and it's getting away in their golf game. Is this a real thing or are they just jealous? Well, I think that there is – you you could be too jacked for golf, but I don't think Rory is. Uh, you know, I think that if you're like a bodybuilder type and you are just like lifting weights to get huge and you don't really care about your mobility and keeping the range of motion and keeping your ability to rotate, then, yeah, that's not good. And unfortunately for most amateurs, it's really all we know. You know, a lot of people, when they go to the gym, they think, you know, I'm going to do an Arnold routine or I'm going to be a chest and biceps routine, that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, it's hurting a lot of us. However, Rory is, you know, he works with some of the best you know, trainers in the industry. And, um, you know, you got to remember that, you know, when you, when Rory was younger, he was like one of the tiniest guys in the, on tour. You know, and he was having some lower back pain. And, you know, he still managed to have this incredible swing speed. So I'm going to get a little nerdy right now, but but bear with me. So... When we think about, you know, the ability to hit the ball and, you know, generate swing speed, we think, let's say, force equals mass times acceleration. So when Rory was tiny, it means that he didn't really have a lot of mass. He had to accelerate his little body just a lot. And, you know, this was actually, you know, hurting his lower back, and this is not exactly good for, you know, longevity. You know, if he's going to continue to play for many, many years, unlike somebody we know, he needs to make sure that he continues to, um, you know, generate these speeds without putting so much pressure on his body. So if we remember, force equals mass times acceleration. If he just increases his muscle mass a little bit, he's going to be able to reach that same amount of force, meaning the same distances, same speed, with a lot less acceleration, which is going to put less stress on his body. You know, as long as you're keeping your ability to separate your upper and lower body, which I know for a fact he is because, you know, the uh, professionals at TPI have showed us that, you know, he's one of the top professionals that has, you know, this ability to separate his upper and lower body. And you're able to, you know, con- continue to move the way that golfers should move. There really is no problem. So I would say, yes, yes you can be too jacked for golf and actually have this problem. And second, no, I don't think Rory is too jacked for golf because he continues to maintain the ability to move and rotate and separate his upper and lower body. Um, even if his mass is a little bit higher, but this is actually going to protect his back and his body and give him longevity in the sport. All right, Carolina, if folks want to find you online, on social media, where should they look? Uh, yes, they can find me on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Fit Golfer Girl. You can also find me on Twitter at Fit Golfer Girl, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter. And I am there also as Fit Golfer Girl. You guys can also send me an email if you have any questions at fitgolfergirl at gmail.com. And uh, I always like to have my followers tag me in their workout pictures using the hashtag Make Golf Fitness Fun. There you go. She is the fit golfer girl, Carolina Romero. Carolina, thank you so much for the good information and your time. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Joe, last weekend, Kevin Kisner made a five-foot putt on the 72nd hole to win the Dean and DeLuca Invitational. And that putt, had he missed, would have cost him $700,000. So he basically won $700,000 for sinking a five-foot putt. Oh, man. And it got me to thinking, what's the most valuable putt I've ever made or missed? Uh, do you have one or two, a make and a miss for uh, with something on the line? Yeah, the, the, the makes that I thought of, it was just personal stuff. Uh, I made 
an eagle putt to break par on a par four one time, and that was pretty memorable. But I've never made a big putt in front of a bunch of people, and the missed putt is pretty bad. So there was this competition that Nick and I both played in probably about six years ago now called the Border Cup. So the University of Idaho and Washington State University are very close in proximity. They're eight miles apart. So there was a team, a Ryder Cup-style event. There was a team for the University of Idaho golf course and a team for the Washington State University golf course. I was playing for the University of Idaho golf course. Go Cougs. Still love my Cougs, but I was living in Idaho at the time. And it was an individual match, so you played one-on-one match play. And I had a five-foot putt on 18 to win my match one-up, and I missed it so bad. I, 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 I didn't even hit the hole. It was, it was very bad, and I, I got a half. Fortunately, our team did win. But uh, that one's really stuck with me because other team members were counting on me. A small gallery had assembled on the 18th green and fringe area, and I just, I just gagged it. It wasn't even a hard putt. So that's mine. What, what about you? Uh, I gotta go back to that. Did you did you know you were gonna miss before you hit it? Did you had did you know there was a zero percent chance it was going in? You know, I don't know if this is good or bad. I actually felt great over the putt. It was a little left to rider. I still remember it. A little left to rider had to play it outside the hole. And I just hit it off the side of the putter, and it, it missed on the low side. It definitely, as, as soon as I hit it, I knew it had a 0% chance of going <laughs> in. <laughs> I think it's good to have, have faith in your putt before you hit it. It is. Uh, for me, and I I actually did have a kind of a hard time thinking of these because usually when I'm playing golf, I'm by myself. I don't play in a whole ton of tournaments, and uh, I'm not all that great. So, <laughs> so <laughs> there's not a whole lot that I'm playing for. But... <laughs> Um, the made putt, um, I actually have two makes, so I'm going to, I'm going to brag on myself a little bit. Get it. Two years ago, you and I were in a tournament in a scramble event and we, uh, it was a two day event. The first day went pretty well. No thanks to me. The second day got off to a really rocky start. <laughs> and on the, on the 10th hole, we had, we had eight holes to play and we had, we still had a chance. It was a long par five and you got us into a greenside bunker and ah, two. I remember this. And. I got us up and made about a 20-foot, I'm going to call it a 20-footer for birdie. And uh, at that point, I thought we had a good chance of winning. And I remember, like, fist pumping and walking up, and you had to remind me that the other team still had to put out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at that point, I thought we had a good chance of winning the tournament. The other one, my best round I've ever shot, I made about a 15-foot downhill par putt on the 18th. And uh, that one felt pretty good, too. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, those are my two makes. My miss, um, going back to that same tournament, two holes after the birdie, uh, (laughs) missed about a five-foot birdie putt on two consecutive holes that really took us out of the running. So those are it for me. The misses, you know, none of those were really on 18 besides the one from my personal best round, but they still, I knew the importance of them when I was over the putts. Well, the good thing about golf is there's going to be many more opportunities for triumph and heartbreak, so... I am sure that our lists will increase on probably the miss side more than the make, but hopefully we can make a few fun ones. And you know what? Let's encourage our listeners. If you've had a really good make or a really good miss, go ahead and let us know on the Facebook page, on the Twitter. Let's get a conversation going. Let's start something. Yeah. Nick, how much LPGA golf did you watch this weekend? I watched zero. But I don't believe me, I watched the leaderboard on LPGA.com quite a bit. (laughs) Can you tell our listeners why? Yes, clearly, Sharmila Nicolette, who's a household name by now, 
uh, because she was voted into the final sponsor's exemption at the classy ShopRite Classic. Um, <laughs> Just killing ShopRite. Probably on her looks. I mean, come on, Joe. You know who's not going to uh, be a sponsor of At The Turn? <laughs> <laughs> ShopRite. ShopRite. I don't think we're going to ask ShopRite. So, look, Anyways, the, the tournament she played in was this week. She shot 76-78, which is a lot better than I would have done. But it still wasn't good enough to make the cut. I think she beat seven players um, who didn't withdraw from the tournament. So what do you think of that? Look, it is what it is. We talked about this a few episodes ago. There was a Twitter vote. They picked four women. And the person who got voted the most on Twitter got a sponsor's exemption. They got to play at an LPGA Tour event. None of them were regulars on the LPGA Tour. Sharmila won. She shot two mediocre to bad rounds. And she's gone. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I don't really think ShopRite thought the person who was getting into the field was going to post a top 25 finish. I'll just put it that way. No, and I don't think most sponsors' exemptions do. I think it's kind of unfair to to call them out for a sponsor's exemption not doing well. It's just the way that they <laughs> awarded the exemption that draws attention to it, and they should have known it's going to draw attention to how she does as well. Certainly. Well, Nick, that does it. That's all we have. Yeah, you're right, Joe. We are cranking them out. That's yeah. What we're but you know what we're gonna do because we're in such a good flow right now. We're gonna post an episode next week as well. We're gonna have a big U.S. Open preview. Got a great guest. We've got facts and figures, stats, picks. I, we have nothing to give away yet. We're gonna get stuff to give away soon. So tune in for that. The future giveaways. Tune in for the U.S. Open picks and tune in for Nick losing us more sponsors. <laughs> you know you can count on me for that. <laughs> I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.